0: This morning is the secret of fruitfulness. (coughs) So I want to read from verses 1 through to 11. John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. So in this uh, picture of Jesus, that Jesus gives of the Vine, Jesus is the vine, we, his disciples, are the branches, and his father is the vine dresser, the husbandman. And uh, what Jesus is doing is, in giving this picture, he's preparing his people, his disciples, for the time when he wouldn't be with them. This teaching was given on the very eve of His crucifixion. So just one day later, He would be crucified. And then He would be raised from the dead, and in 40 days after that, He would ascend to His Father. So He would no longer be with them physically. They would be without Him. But what Jesus is saying, is is He's saying, but I'm going to come to you, and I'm going to live in you, by My Spirit. A new era has dawned. And uh, you're going to enjoy life with me. I'm going to be in you and you're going to be in me. And that's what this picture of the vine and the branches is all about. Last time we focused on our text for the new year, which is verse 8. And in the NIV it says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is to my Father's glory. That you bear much fruit. And uh, last time, we, we looked at what kind of fruit there is in the Bible. There's the fruit of the character of Christ in our lives. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We, we looked at all of those, Galatians 5, 23. And then there's the fruit of Holiness that God looks for in our lives. There's the fruit of this victory over sin and over our sinful nature and over the power of sin. There's the fruit of our lips, the praise to God that God wants. And that glorifies Him when we give Him thanks and we express that to Him. And then there's the fruit of good works. In Colossians, Paul prayed um, that they would bear fruit In every good work. Jesus said, let your good works be seen before men that they may glorify my Father in heaven. So, when we are serving God, whether it be in our home or our workplace or in church, not only do our works give glory to God, but they cause other people to look and see and in some way give glory to God. And then there's the fruit of witness. Uh, seeing others come to Christ and, and sharing our uh, faith with others. And then finally, we thought about the fruit of giving, uh, generosity. Generosity is a lovely fruit of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of Christ in our lives. So, just, just to sum that up, the fruit is any attitude or any word or any action or even any disposition that is the result of Christ's life in you and me, flowing out of our lives. It's, it's whatever is of Christ that comes out of our lives and through us. That is the fruit that brings glory to God. Let me just give you a simple definition of fruit. What is fruit? Fruit is the outward expression of the inner life. Fruit is the outward expression or the outward display... <coughs> of the inner life. If I see an apple <laughs> hanging from a tree, I'm not daft. That is an apple tree, alright? If I see a pear hanging from a tree, I know that that's a pear tree. Because that's, that fruit is the, is the expression of the life that's going through that tree. What's the inner life of the Christian? It's Christ. Christ's life. Didn't Paul say, I have been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. So the life that's in you is Christ's life. So it's, it's inevitable, if, you, if Christ's life is in you and in me, that his, the, there will be a display of that. There will be the expression of that in fruit, fruit bearing that's uh, the miracle, isn't it, of, of the Christian life. It's, it's not just following rules. It's, it's far from that. And it's not just doing one's duty. It's not just coming from sort of to church and, and, and being part of a group. It is actually sharing the life of Jesus. That's why you cannot be a Christian unless you are born again of the Spirit of God. Unless there is this deep work within by which God, by His Spirit, comes into your life. Christ comes into your life. And shares that life with you. And so, the fruit is the overflow of the life of Christ for God's glory. So Christ is the vine. You are the branches. God is the gardener. And God comes to your life. And he looks for fruit. Because... He wants to be glorified in your life. Whenever Christ's life and and, and Christ's power is, is displayed in a life, that glorifies God. So God comes to your life and he's looking for fruit. And when he finds it, it rejoices his heart. But he's not satisfied. Because he wants more fruit. He wants much more fruit. He's not content. He knows that he has made you, created you, made you into a new creation, a new creature, so that you can bear much fruit in your life. Just look at verse 2, chapter 15, John 15, verse 2. Notice how, how many times... I'm going to read it. I'll give a bit of a... Emphasis just to highlight the progression of fruit. All right, notice how many times fruit's mentioned and this progression. So, verse 2 Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So there's, first of all, not bearing fruit. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit. There's bearing fruit. Every branch that bears fruit he prunes. And there's bearing more fruit. That it may bear more fruit. So God wants to take us from no fruit, in other words, outside of Christ, heading for hell, under God's judgment, Lost in sin, he wants to take us from no fruit into Christ to bear fruit and beyond that to bear more fruit. But as we saw last time, if you remember, he's satisfied with that because actually he wants you to bear much fruit. Verse 8 By this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my. Disciples. Now, who doesn't want to glorify God? Surely we want to glorify God in our lives. That's what we all want if we're a child of God. So what's the secret of bearing fruit? What, what, what's the secret to me glorifying God in every area of my life? Well, verse 5 gives us the answer. Jesus said... I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So the secret is what? Abiding in Christ. Abide in me. The NIV has remain in me. Abiding in Christ is is the absolute foundational key to, it's it's absolutely foundational to a bearing fruit. How do we abide in Christ? How how do we remain in Christ? what's, What's the way for you and I to abide? Well, first of all, by fellowshipping with him. Number one, fellowshipping with him. And this is brought out in the whole illustration of the of the vine and the branches. How all the I've shared this last time. How the vine and the branch of a of a vine they sort of merge together. You can't distinguish one from the other. They interlink. they, They 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 come intersect. They come out of each other. They intertwine. They're all part of one another. And that and that just speaks of intimacy and fellowship. Between branches and vine. Between Christ and you. Between me and Jesus. It's, it's about not just union with him, but communion. Fellowship. fellowshipping with Jesus. That's something that every believer is meant to experience. And of course, that, that can only be developed through prayer, can't it? Jesus said, no longer do I call you servants, I call you friends. And friends talk. And... and we, we talk. We talk with Jesus. We talk with our God day by day. You know, prayer isn't just set times of prayer. We know that. It's, it's, it's meant to be part and parcel of our life. So we talk to God. And, and, it's, and, and we, it's not just asking, asking, asking. Prayer is thanking. Prayer is praising. Prayer is blessing. Blessing. Prayer is all of these, those things. It's worshipping, it's sharing, it's, it's involving God. There's, there's communion with our Saviour. And that is the blessedness of fellowship. Sidler Baxter, in his book, Awake My Heart, he refers to a man called William Corvosa. And in the early days of Methodism, he was uh, converted when he was 21. He became a preacher, teacher, and leader in in the uh, Methodist church. He only learned to write when he was in his 60s. And uh, later on, in his 60s, after he learned to write, he wrote a journal. And that was turned into a well-known book at the time. And in this journal, he just wrote one sentence about this relationship with Christ that I want to read And what it meant to him. And this is what he wrote. A few few words. He said, Oh, the heartfelt blessedness arising from a conscious union with the Son of God. Oh, the heartfelt blessedness arising from a conscious union with the Son of God. And and Sidler Baxter in his book, his comment is, I wonder how many of us today know it as vividly as William Corvosa. That heartfelt blessedness arising from a conscious union with the Son of God. Not just a union, but communion. And a conscious, heartfelt experience. Does that, exp- that, that should be our experience. That's the growing experience of the Christian. That's what God wants for us to enjoy and to feel. So, we abide in Christ by fellowshipping with him. We, uh, secondly, we abide in Christ by abiding in his word. By abiding in his word. Look at uh, verse 7. And uh, Jesus makes this connection here. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Right? So the two go together. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. If my words abide in you. Where do we find his words? We, in, in the Bible. This is where we find Christ's words. From beginning to end, these are Christ's words, inspired. Inspired. So to try and live the Christian life and bear fruit without abiding in his words is a vain. We can't do it. It's a vain attempt. Warren Weasby, in his book on being a servant of God, says this, We Christians are people of the book. And that book is the Bible. No matter what ministry the Lord has assigned to you, you can't succeed apart from the word of God why do we need to read the Bible? Just to get to know about God. To learn about his character. To learn about who he is. It's where his character is revealed. The better we know God, the better we can enjoy him. And minister from him. Warren, for him, Warren Wearsby goes on to say, he says this about the Bible. He says, we don't read the Bible to mark precious promises although hundreds of them are there. Nor do we read the Bible to understand Bible doctrine, although Bible doctrine is essential. We read the Bible to get to know the heart and mind of God. The Word of God reveals the God of the Word. And he goes on to say, For too long a time, I saw the Bible as a devotional guide, a theology text, and a source book for sermons. It was not a living link between me and God. What a difference it made when I began to pray what I had sung so many times. Beyond the sacred page, I seek Thee, Lord. My spirit pants for Thee, O living Word. Do you meet with God as you read the Word of God? That's the blessing. That's, that's where the words, the character, the life The will of God is revealed. So we do need to spend time in this. We do need to feed on it. We need to learn from it. Feed our souls on it. Because it's through God's word that our faith is strengthened. God has chosen his word to do that. You know, I I, I can't just summon up faith and, and, and... Without reading God's Word, faith is bound or or, or grounded on the promises in God's Word, on His faithfulness. Dwight L. Moody said, I used to think that I could close my Bible and pray for faith, but I came to see that it was in studying the Word that I was to get faith. So, faith... It's, it's based on what God's Word says. So, so it's worth getting into the Word of God. So we abide in Christ by fellowshipping with Him. We abide by abiding in His Word. And thirdly, we abide by obeying His Word. When I was uh, thinking this, I, I remember the old story, which you may have heard, I'm sure you have probably, of the man who was jogging out, out jogging one day along the top of a cliff and At one point he tripped over, he fell over the edge. But as he fell, he just managed to grab hold of a branch. And he was left dangling over the cliff. And he began to call out, help. He said, help, is anyone there? And after what seemed an age, someone called back, yes, I'm here. In fact, I'm everywhere because I am the Lord. And the man cried out, Is that really you, Lord? I promise that if you get down, if you get me down from here, I'll be a really good person and serve you for the rest of my life. I'll do anything. Lord, just tell me what to do. And the voice said, Lord, well, my son, just let go of the branch. And the man said, What? And the voice said, Just let go of the branch and I'll catch you. Trust me. Let go. And there was a pause. And the man said, Is there anybody else up there? (laughs) You know, it's, it's one thing reading the word of God. It's another thing obeying it. Hearing the word of God and doing it. But actually acting on it. Look at verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. If you keep my commandments. I want to abide in God's love. It's a beautiful thing in the love of God to be have that love just in your heart and warm in your heart and knowing that you're in that love and that love is flowing through you. But I cannot ha- experience that if I'm not keeping the commandments and obeying God's word and you know, those reading it. So if there's things in my life that I know I've got to get rid of and I know that are grieving to God I must, must, must ask for God's forgiveness and cleansing. It's a fundamental law of God. Obedience leads to abiding. And it means I cannot abide in Christ if I'm not willing to obey. If I'm not intent on living Christ's way. And so it it means yielding, doesn't it? Yielding ourselves to God. Yielding my will to God. My will and myself saying no to me. And I want Christ, I want His will done in my life. And you know, when we do that, there's joy, isn't there? There is joy in obedience. We don't always find it easy, do we? I, I know myself. So easily. I, I need to keep having to put my life back on the altar. I really do. I have to keep... I, I, I crawl off it. It, it. It's so easy to turn out just in little areas of our lives just to not do what we know to be right. And I know for myself I don't know about you but my dedication has to be daily. I, I, I know that inner battle. I constantly have to fight against that sinful nature that just wants to do my thing and not please God. And so I crawl off the altar of my consecration and I have to daily bring myself back to say Lord help me I'm sorry I want to please you you know that Paul even the great apostle Paul knew that battle in Romans chapter 7 and verse 18 Romans 7 verse 18 and 19 He said this, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me. That's to will after God's will, do do God's way. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil, I will not to do. That I practice. So even Paul knew the battle to to please and to honor God and to abide in Christ. He, He knew about that. But he also knew that there's a greater power in him to overcome. And there's a greater power in us beyond our selfish, sinful nature that gives us the victory over our sinfulness and verse 24 he says "O oh, wretched man that i am who will deliver me from the body of death i thank god through jesus christ our lord so then with the mind i myself serve the law of god but with the flesh the law of sin he said he knew the the power that was in him of god was greater than the power that was of his sinful nature So we abide in Christ by enjoying enjoying fellowship with him. We abide by abiding in his word. Thirdly, by obeying his word. And lastly, fourthly, by resting in him. By resting in him. Just uh, turn with me to another passage, just to illustrate this. Luke 19, Jesus uses that word abide in a different context. Luke chapter 19, verse 2 to 5. Luke 19, verse 2. Now behold, behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide, stay at your house. I must stay, I must abide. Abide simply means basically to remain, to stay. To continue. So if if I'm to bear fruit, I, I need to stay in Christ. I need to remain in Christ. To continue in Him. If I ask you to stay in your seat, that must mean that you're already in your seat. So right now, you are Abiding in your seat. You're remaining. You're resting in your seat. If you were to rest anymore, you'd be asleep. Maybe some of you are. But you actually would need effort not to abide. <laughs> you'd need effort to get up out of your seat. To stay and to remain in something requires no effort at all. So the last thing that the abiding requires is effort. So another important aspect of this abiding in Christ has to do with me and you coming to an end of ourselves, coming to an end of doing things apart from Christ in our own strength and resting in Him. See, to, re- to abide means to cling to Him, if you like. To rest in Him. To rely upon him. And to stop striving in our own strength. To stop struggling on. To to stop working things out in our own self-will, self-effort. Because as Jesus said, without me, without Christ, we can do nothing. We're as useless to bear fruit on our own as a severed branch. That's what Jesus said. cannot bear fruit. Neither can you. So the secret for us is to learn that it's his strength alone. We need to rest. uh, W.A. Patterson in his book, In the Days to Come, tells of a a party of Americans who had arranged to visit England, especially to see the coronation of uh, King George the six a bit like the coronation of Donald Trump but a bit different and they arrived in London and, and they were shown by their guide to the seats which were along the, the the Thames route along the route of the Thames and their seats were on a barge um, moored to the bank so they were, they were shown to their seats but, but on sitting down they, they were actually bitterly disappointed because all they could see were just in front of them mud flats Nothing but mud in front of them. And then the guide took them to the lower deck for some refreshments. And all they could do was complain to each other that they'd come all this way from America. And, 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 and they couldn't see anything. All they were seeing was mud. Well, at last they were shown back to their seats. And when they sat down, they found that they had the most magnificent view of the coronation process- procession. And they saw everything absolutely perfect. And, of course, what, was made, what made the difference was while they were complaining in the barge, the tide had come in and lifted up the barge, lifted up the barge higher and higher. And, uh, you know, it makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? The power of Christ in our lives. As we abide in him, he lifts us up. He gives us his strength. And it's for everyday life, every activity we're involved in, as we rest on him and rely on his strength, as we trust him moment by moment. And as you do that in your life, you will receive whatever you need to face whatever you're going through. Whatever challenges you're facing, the abiding life is to face those. Whatever difficulties, whatever changes you're facing, or even, indeed, indeed, whatever changes need to be taking place in your life, as you rest in Him, rely on Christ, trust in His power in His life, that He shares that to help you become all that you need to be. Don't ever worry about fruit. That fruit will be produced if you abide in Christ. Just get close to Jesus. Just make sure you're resting in him and abiding in him. Get into his word. Let his word abide in you. And you will bear fruit. I used to love watching wrestling when I was, grow- when I was younger, when I was a teenager. I remember, I remember... I don't know if, you, if, if, if anybody else is a wrestling fan, but I can't say I am now, but I used to love watching the villains especially, Mick McManus and, and Jackie Palo, Haystacks, you know, giant Haystacks and people like that. I used to watch it with my grandma and granddad, and I remember my grandma going and shouting at the television all sorts. It was great. So. But I, I especially like, loved the tag matches and for the uni, uninitiated, tag matches, I'm sure you know, but you have two guys, two there were two men, there were men in those days, there were two men wrestling, and uh, so they were wrestling, and, but they had partners outside the ring, and the partners were at the opposite ends of the ring, uh, corners of the ring. Um, they couldn't get into the ring, they had to hold a rope that was tied to their corner, so they couldn't run around the ring. And as soon as one of their, the partner in the middle touched the hand of their partner outside, then they'd swap over. And, and, and uh, knock each other out, or whatever it was okay let, let me just give you a, a, as graphic a picture as I can of one particular tag match between one pair, Big Daddy and angel pat Ross, and there were two black bearded villains who were opposing them and in, in this match, there's Angel Pat Ross and, and he's, he's there, he's fighting, he's wrestling and he's, he's, he's literally been torn apart, right? By, by villain number one. And uh, villain number one, he, he, he was just... He was, well, Angel Pat Ross was dying 100 deaths. He, he short-arm jabbed, he, he knocked him, he punched him, he punched his nose, he was pulling his hair, he was doing all sorts of stuff to him. Flung him around the ring. Big Daddy his partner was getting madder and madder, and he was jumping up and down at the side. And uh, the ring was shaking, you know, the place was shaking, the television was shaking, it was really going. At last, Big Daddy's (coughs) hand touched Angel Pat Ross's hand. And with with an ear-shattering roar to the cheers of the crowd, Big Daddy jumped into the ring. And with an accelerated waddle, he moved towards villain number one. And, and I can only say he looked like a drunken blancmange. He, he, he was really going around. And he laid into him. And he threw him over the ropes of, and he just laid into him. He knocked him out, threw him to the corner and he was out oblivion. It was over. In villain number two, and you could just see that he was just like a, an obese jelly baby rob, wobbling around with trunks on. He came in, fat rippling down his body. He charged at Big Daddy. Big Daddy, he, Big Daddy took him by the neck. He whipped him through the air, dumped him on the floor, and with amazing grace, he jumped up and just belly-bombed him right, right on top. And this guy just absolutely suffocated. Right? Daddy was counted out. And that was it. When was Angel Pat Ross delivered from his suffering? When was he rescued? When he reached out his hand. And he took hold of the outstretched hand of Big Daddy. You see, Big Daddy had been watching all the time. Waiting, his arm outstretched. While Angel Pat Ross was slowly being destroyed as soon as their hands met he was able to rescue him. Now, I don't, I don't want to press this analogy too far now. <laughs> but you are a hand away from the greatest power on earth. The power of Christ. And yet so often we don't reach out our hand, And we're left there floundering and sometimes being pummeled. <coughs> because we don't reach out our hands. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we have a hand-in-hand relationship with the giver of life. With the source of all power. And that's for every believer. And that's for you in your job, you know, in your home. That's while you look after the children, you can abide in Christ. Caring for a loved one, we've got some long-term carers in our church. Abiding in Christ, fellowshipping in Jesus, resting in Him, holding His hand, drawing on His power. That's for every circumstance. For family life, for married life, for single life. If you're a single person, it doesn't matter what your personality, you might be outgoing and extrovert, you might be introverted, you might be shy, a private person. You might have good health, ill health. You might be full of life. You may face depression or anxieties or fears or whatever. Abiding in Christ is for every part of our lives. It's for every situation. And everybody can rest in Jesus. If we would do that. And it's summed up in some ways in a, a, a song which we're going to sing, actually. If the band would like to come up and uh, we're going to sing a song, it's an old song by Graham Kendricks. Um, it says, for the joys and for the sorrows, the best and worst of times, for this moment, for tomorrow, for all that lies behind, fears that crowd around me, for the failure of my plans, for the dreams of all I hope to be, the truth of what I am, for this I have Jesus. For this eye of Jesus, and as we sing that, we can talk about, think about resting in Him, relying on Him, abiding in Him, drawing in ourselves to Him. We're going to pray. We're going to sing. We'll take our offering. We didn't take the offering in the first part, so we'll take our offering as we sing. But let's just uh, let's just be quiet, shall we? And going to pray. Pray for God's help and strength that we would truly learn what it means to abide in Christ. (coughs) Our Heavenly Father, all of us would want to be more fruitful for you, because we want to see you glorified in our lives. And Lord, if we're honest, we know that there are times when we don't abide in you, and maybe we feel as though we're just learning how to do that. So, Lord, would you help us, we pray. <clears throat> I pray that you'd help us to learn to enjoy real fellowship with Jesus day by day, moment by moment. Help us, Lord, to abide in his word each day and to obey his word. And, Lord, when we are tempted to take that self-root way of doing things attempt to do things in our own energy with our own resources, Lord forgive us for that turn, turn us away from doing that remind us Lord of your hand that's outstretched so that we would lay hold of you so that you can help us empower us, enable us Lord would you press home these things to our heart we want to bear fruit for your glory. All of those beautiful fruit, the life of Christ flowing through us. Lord, I pray for those who are in the heat or the cauldron, as it were, of a, a difficult situation. Maybe that's an ongoing thing that people are wearied of. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ that they would too find rest in Christ. And abide in Him, and not be overwhelmed, but find that wonderful victory in Jesus and the strength they need. So Lord, bless us, we pray. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's uh, stand to sing, shall we? We'll take the offering as we. So, uh, if the prayer team would come and just stay uh, down here. And if you'd like someone to pray with you about anything, um, anything at all, then just come forward and uh, somebody will pray with you. And so now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Saviour, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever,